You're listening to The Green Country, a fantasy storytelling podcast where each episode introduces a new character, creature, or facet of this fantastical land. These stories follow the course of Queen Alyssa's centennial tour of her kingdom. Every 100 years, the long-lived monarch travels throughout her overgrown forest realm, meeting its inhabitants and seeing its sights. Join me each week as we explore a new and fascinating aspect of this lush, expansive world. You can learn more at www.thegreen.country, and I invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks for listening. Cackerel's Keep Chapter 4 Garin's fingers gripped the rough-hewn edge of night-damp stones as he mounted the dark tower from which had spewed the flock of mask-birds. Still, they circled above, a dark whirlwind, a gale, murderous. Several had dive-bombed him as he climbed the citadel. With one arm he clung to the dilapidated brickwork, and with the other he struck furtive blows with his modest dagger. He was bloodied and pummeled, yet he had not fallen. Peering above, he saw the gaping void from which the birds had poured, open and waiting. His muscles quaked and spasmed with fatigue, and under his blood-bright armor he was sodden with the sweat of his exertions. A quick glance told him that one of the fell raptors had broken free of the wheeling pack and was now making its course towards him. He set his jaw and a mood of smoldering determination saturated him. He released from his thoughts the goal of the passageway above and fixed his vision on the diabolical raptor which now careened towards him. He breathed in deeply and time slowed. He took in the feathery chaos which hurtled towards him with the clear focus of pure, still light through a polished glass lens. Any small trace of panic or uncertainty had abandoned Garin as he burst forth from the wall, hurtling forward to collide with the great feathered beast. His dagger bit in deep to the hilt, burying itself above the creature's right wing. He held fast as the creature soared erratically skyward. In its panic, it drove into the arching metal latticework which formed a great cage above the open court. The flapping of immense wings threatened to buck Garin from his perilous perch, yet he held fast with a grip as certain as the death that comes to all things that are graced to live and breathe. With one of his legs, he intertwined the creature's bony foot and so braced his hold. The mask bird was bested and fell into a panic. It flapped wildly, and spying the yawning catacomb from which it had come, veered in its direction. It cawed a wounded cry, and Garin felt a pang of sadness for the creature, yet another victim of Cackerel's unsparing cruelty. Yet he held fast as the bird steered a course for the dark tunnel, which it hoped would afford it some measure of safety, some measure of grace. As soon as the tunnel was below Garin's feet, he loosed his grip and let his dagger slip from the bird's shoulder. He dropped to the floor of a circular tunnel encrusted with bird droppings. 
In his right hand, he clutched his dagger so tightly he was unsure he would be able to open his fist. The slick, dark blood of the creature covered his hand and ran down his wrist to mingle with his own blood, which flowed from a multitude of lacerations, battered upon him by the fearful creature's bladed wings. He crouched in that high tunnel on his knees for a time, panting and bleeding. Presently, the sound of wings beating infringed on his awareness, and he fell flat against the excrement-stained cobbles of the bird's passageway. They were returning home. He felt their velocity as they poured in above him, though they paid him little mind. The creatures were merely obeying the call to return to their roost. After Garin was certain the last bird had passed above him, he stood and continued on down the tunnel. Soon he emerged into the aviary of the mask birds. There they perched in clusters, on thick rods of iron that protruded in great number from the interior of the circular chamber. Aside from the occasional ruffling of feathers or gentle cooing, the birds appeared listless, their murderous fervor all but drained away. Still, he stepped carefully and silently into their dwelling. It was grim and rank within the giant birdhouse where Garin found himself. Cackerel's disrespect for all life penetrated everything he touched. And once again the knight in red armor felt a wave of rage burn over him as he surveyed the sorry state of the mask bird's prison. Light shone in through a ring of window slits cut into the top of the high tower, and in the faint light his eyes searched the lower reaches of the wall for an exit. He soon located a door set into the stone wall, and carefully crept towards it. The floor around him was scattered with bones and other remnants left of the bird's meals. As he made his way to the door, he swore a silent oath that he would see the birds set free by the dawning of the morning sun. Reaching the door, he put his hand to the heavy iron ring which served as its handle and gave a turn. It offered no resistance, and he heard the latch disengage. He was about to push the door wide when he felt something tug gently at his consciousness. As he had strode through the refuse of the bird's dwelling, the skull of some poor elfin had gazed up at him, overturned and cracked. He turned from the door and located the remains once more. Not far from the skull lay a pile of tattered clothes, some pieces of leather armor, and the remaining bones from this long-departed brethren. Garin examined the remains stoically, and then squatted, reaching out to overturn the rags and see what might lay beneath, beyond old bones. The fabric disintegrated in his hands, but he met with something more solid, more substantial. It was the leather travel pack of the departed elfin. Garin opened the top of the knapsack, and after digging through the moldering clothing that lay within, drew something forth. In the sickly light of the rookery, he regarded the form of a crude wooden figurine. To most, the item would appear rustic and clumsily crafted. Some learned folk might appreciate it to be of ancient elfin design. And fewer folks still would know just what this item was. 
Garin was not such a person. Yet, as he held the effigy, he seemed to sense a power within it, great and rooted in goodness. He knew not why, but the discovery of the simple talisman had buoyed his spirits, and he secured it safely within his armor. Before making his way back to the door, he silently offered a word of thanks to the lost soul who had met their end in the tower of the mask birds, leaving the strange carving behind. Sequestered in his chambers, high in the far tower, Cackerel watched Garin's progress with a cruel curiosity. He knew not what Garin had recovered from the long-dead elfin who lay in the roost of the maskbirds, but he remembered well that slain adventurer, and how near to ruin they had once brought him. The tiniest sliver of icy fear crept into Cackerel's putrid heart, and though he refused to acknowledge it, it remained lodged there. Garin proceeded to the door and made his way through it. Once more he found himself on that spiral staircase, and he squinted up into the gloom. His hand traced down to the hilt of gold mane, and he felt the worn, reassuring curves of its ornate grip. Undaunted, he resumed his ascent of the steps, certain he would be meeting yet more of Cackerel's traps and treacheries. If you like what you just heard, be sure to visit www.thegreen.country for more great content, including beautiful illustrations, detailed character descriptions, and much more. The Green Country is also on Patreon, where a small monthly pledge will give you access to extra content, like an illustrated PDF of the story you just heard. Whether you back this project financially or simply share it with a friend, you can help this vibrant land continue to grow. Once more, that's www.thegreen.country. Thanks for listening!